Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoors and Podcast. This is a special one because this is the first turkey episode of 2023. We're recording uh, back here in Alabama. We just got back from the National Wild Turkey Federation convention, and it was kind of wild. Um, we had a good time, though. Uh, one of the fellows we caught up with up there was Mr. Matt Persons. Matt, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good, guys. Good to be on today. I'm proud to 
proud to be the first turkey episode of the season that that fires me up hey man kicking it off right jacob how you doing over there doing good doing good yeah matt uh you're always a fun guy dude we've talked about trying to get you on the podcast before me and andrew have but we just we never really have interviewed you in detail like this so i'm excited to kind of jump into some background with you because i think especially as our first turkey episode i want to kind of get people you know there's some people that's been excited since you know beginning of deer season like let's get through deer season get to turkey season and you got a lot of guys after deer season goes out like okay now you know we're full-fledged into turkey so to kind of, you know, get us, you know, excited and everything, I want to kind of just jump into what about turkey hunting is gets you excited about and it has like your diehard passion for, again, chasing turkeys? Well, I mean, I think it goes back to, you know, I, I killed my first turkey when I was five years old. So, I mean, it's it's been a, it's a rite of passage for me. It's just, it's a generational thing. You know, my my dad did it. My granddad did it. You know, it's a, it's, it's just a, it's a way of life for me, honestly. And um, I, but I think really what, at this point, what, what pulls at my heartstrings the most, um, I'm a, I'm a dedicated duck hunter as well. So the comparison between the two, um, I think is, is the dialogue that you can take, you can have, you know, with something that's wild like that, uh, being able to communicate with something that is totally wild and does would otherwise not communicate with you in any capacity um i think that's really what does it for me you know being able to take basically what's the equivalent of a musical instrument and fool an animal that is perfectly wild um that that's really really what does it for me and and then you know all that goes along with that too being able to uh introduce other people to to something that i enjoy so much and seeing people you know see seeing others enjoy it in the same ways that i do you know the whole the whole ball of wax honestly Matt, I think I first met you like four or five years ago at the NWTF convention, and you were running a call in the Houndstooth booth, um, I think it was, yep. and uh, I was like, dang, man, like, you're freaking good. Like, you ever go upstairs, you know, and anyone who hadn't been to the convention upstairs is where they do all the uh, Grand National Calling Championships and stuff, I was like, man, why aren't you up there? And you said something along the lines of, I prefer to shoot my judges. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty yeah, that's good. a pretty common answer I give. I, you know, the the competitive calling thing is just something that's never really appealed to me. Um, I keep up with it just because those guys are the epitome of realism when it comes to you know to using a a turkey call. You know, they're they're the, they're second only to the real thing. A lot of them, and um, you know, I I, I kind of use them as uh, a gauge a lot of times on how realistic I really am in terms of you know in. I guess in comparison to other human beings, the, the, all of us on the other side of the spectrum here. Um, so, but as far as actually competing, uh, it's just, I just had never, it, that bug had never bit me. Um, that being said, I am equally as passionate about uh, being realistic, you know, on a, on a, on a turkey call as just as much as those guys are. I mean, I, I probably practice just as much and, think about it just as often as all of them do i just i had never taken it to the stage and i you know I, I don't know that i ever will honestly just because you know i'm i'm just a common guy i can't i i, I don't want to compete with those guys and you know honestly from a from the standpoint of uh of 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 selling turkey calls you know marketing our brand and within houndstooth and that sort of thing uh I don't want people to look at me any differently than they do now. And the second that I get up on that stage and uh, start trying to compete with those guys, well, I become a professional at that point. Right now, I'm just Matt. You know, I'm just a common guy uh, calling turkeys just like everybody else. Well, I want to start. You mentioned that you you shot your first turkey at five years old. I want to kind of get into maybe your upbringing because I'm I'm curious about how you got so into the calling, you got so good at it, and and – we have a lot of people that listen to the show who are maybe not first-time turkey hunters, but they're just trying to get better at it. Maybe they've killed one or two, mm-hmm. maybe three birds. Um, and sure. so, I mean, we like to get guys on like yourself who've been doing it for a while and, and can kind of show a progression of, you know, when you were a kid and probably really didn't know what you were doing to now you're, you know, a bona fide turkey slayer. Uh, so what was your kind of journey like as a young turkey hunter and now up into adulthood? Yeah, so like I said, I killed my first one when I was five years old, sitting in my daddy's lap. Uh, obviously, you know, at, at that age, there's only bits and pieces of it that I remember. Uh, but but after that, you know, that, that kind of uh, your your 
memory that you can recall on tends, you know, starts growing as you age, obviously. So after I got up to seven or eight, I could, you know, there, there's things that I can, I can pick out more vividly uh, during that time than I could that first hunt for sure. And uh, a lot of that time I spent tagging along with my dad, you know, I, I shot, you know, my, my share of turkeys during that period as well. But, um, you know, I, I would, I learned uh, very early on how to call with my natural voice. And uh, that's obviously something that I've lost at this point, just due to my voice changing and different things over time. Um, but I, I spent probably my first, oh, up until I was 12 or 14, uh, calling almost exclusively with my natural voice. And that that really taught me just because of, uh, you know, I, I could, I could, very easily during that time hear something and mimic it pretty closely with my natural voice and i think honestly that lended itself to uh, some of the realism that i'm able to find with a mouth yupper now but um you know I, I called up a bunch of turkeys for my dad uh when i was a kid uh he would you know we could uh he, he trusted me enough in the woods that we could he could put me in a place and, and let me call for him you know and he could move up and you know do the old blindfold trick on them uh but that that that's that's what i spent a lot of my early days on and um from there you know i, I think i was probably 12 or 13 uh I, I still remember this morning like it was you know just a couple of weeks ago my dad uh we my dad was hunting with my dad and uh, we have a have a piece of property in east central mississippi that's uh it's it's basically divided down the center by a highway and um he was going on, he had, you know, there was turkeys at that time on both sides of the highway. We had a really good play. It was a really good place to hunt at that time. And uh, he was going to go on one side of the highway, and I knew that. Uh, I knew the turkey that he was going after because I had been been to him, uh, with him a, a morning or two prior. And uh, we got down there, and, you know, it's before daylight, and he, I remember getting out of the truck, and he told me, all right, you're going that way today. And he said the turkey's going to be. You know, right down here on this branch, just off edge of this field, he, you know, he laid it all out there and uh, told me where to go and how to get there. And I mean, I knew full well where and, and what he was talking about and how he was talking about doing it. But that did not take away from the fact that I was scared to death, not not of walking in the dark or any of that. Just, you know, having to go about it on my own, you know, being kicked from the nest. That was that's what we call it. You know, that day that was the day that I was really kicked from the nest. And uh Man, I remember getting out there and sitting down by that tree, and uh, turkey started gobbling out in front of me about 125 yards. I got in there real quiet, and I remember my brain just melted. Like, what do I do next? You know, <laughs> like I am more scared of messing up than I was anything. You know, I, I didn't, I, A, I didn't want to mess up and uh, scare the turkey. I didn't want to disappoint my dad. There was just a ton of things going through my mind. And I think if I remember right, I, I basically sat there and stayed glued to that same tree all morning. The turkeys flew down out there and did their own thing and left. But um, that was really, the, that was my first experience on my own. And from there, it was just a lot of, I, you know, I, after we got back and I talked about it with my dad, and I, you know, he told me like, look, you, you can't be afraid to, you know what to do. You got to get out there and make your own decisions and you're going to make mistakes. I think that's a key for a lot of young hunters or new hunters to understand is, man, look, you, you can't go out there and expect day one to just, you know, start kicking them in the teeth left and right. They are going to kick you in the teeth a whole lot more often than you're going to kick them in the teeth. And, you know, understanding that and being okay with messing up and learning from your mistakes, man, mistakes are going to teach you more than anybody that you can go with is going to teach you, you know, about turkey hunting. So get out there and let the turkeys teach you. So, um, from there, you know, I, I got to late, late into my uh, teens and early 20s, uh, right, I guess I was probably a junior in high school. I started working for a uh, a, a hunting, uh, commercial hunting outfit here local to where I'm from, um, Then and uh, started guiding my first turkey hunts, you know, for actual paying clients uh, in the spring. I did that, um, and, and from there, you know, I from that point i worked for a commercial hunting outfit in some capacity uh for the next 20 years so i got it i got it hunters in the spring either for 
you know, uh, four, four or five weekends out of the spring all the way up to every week of the season in some capacity or another, you know, every version of that in between for the last 20 seasons leading up to about, I guess, I, I guess my last spring actually gotten somebody uh, as a service for money uh, would have ended, I guess, a couple of years ago now. So spent a lot of time guiding people, and that will teach you a ton about what to and what not to do, particularly uh, when you have to think through. Because, I mean, you know, you think about hiding and being quiet and the whole nine yards. Well, most of the time when you're guiding somebody that's paid to come hunting, they don't know anything about that. So your version to be quiet and their version to be quiet is not the same thing most of the time. <laughs> hiding somebody, you know, hiding hiding yourself is one thing, but hiding somebody else or in, in some cases two or three people, you know, when you when you try to hide somebody else, it's not double as hard. It's it's ex that it's it's exponentially that much harder. So it's not it's not a time it, it's it's times four, you know, you, you get out there and it's not just like hiding for me. It's, it's almost like hiding, uh, an, an entire battalion of folks at times. So it just, you know, it just adds a different dynamic and it makes you think on a different plane. And, um, it, it really teaches you, uh, a different technique of killing turkeys or, or hunting turkeys, uh, than you would have to just by hunting by yourself, you know, day in and day out so that's that's a long that's a long short crash course on sort of where i've been what's gotten me to where i am today so i'm i'm proud to say you know I, i'm proud of my turkey hunting heritage um turkey hunting is I, I say this in my writing sometimes you know i i um turkey hunting has afforded me a lot of experiences uh, it's put me in the way of a lot of really good people uh throughout my entire life really um, and I, you know, I, 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 I attribute a lot of the way I think a lot of the, my decision-making, um, uh, you know, a really, a, a, a really, a lot of the, the person that I am today, uh, I tie it back directly to turkey hunting and things that I've learned from turkey hunting. So, um, it, it's something that's very near and dear to me. I think you can probably tell that from my, my long monologue here, so. Matt, I've got to ask. There's so many questions here that I want to get into, and I would almost like to pick your brain about some life lessons you've learned while guiding people. Uh, that could be tips sure. for people. But before we kind of get to that, I do want to talk about you know your dad being a big influence for you, like getting the turkey hunting. What was his hunting oh, style yeah. like? And like, what were some of those things that he ever would talk about? Like maybe his, you know, your granddad, his dad taught him, as in like some of these old school turkey hunters, and how that's maybe has changed, or you know, or you know, some of it still is the same as today. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I think the biggest thing that my dad passed along to me or tried to pass along to me, I can't say I picked up on all of it, but, um, that, that was passed along to him was being a good woodsman. You know, you hear, you hear people talk about being a good woodsman and, uh, this is their opinion of it. And this, this is what to do and what not to do and all that really, you, you know, being a good woodsman can't be, that's, that's one of those things that can't be taught, uh, by, by, by watching a video on the internet or reading it in a book. Uh, you either got to go out there and figure it out on your own, or you got to go about, go with somebody that is really, really, really good at it and watch them, you know, basically talk them into taking you under their wing for a period of time just to learn, you know, uh, how they think through certain situations and like um, how to, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time drawing an example here, but just uh, uh, approaching a setup, you know, certain setups or uh, you got a turkey that's doing a certain thing and you know um, the terrain does a, has a certain feature between you and him, how to use that. And I don't know, there's, there's a laundry list of stuff, but um, basically I think that the short answer would be uh, the, I think the, the best attribute uh, or the biggest attribute they tried to pass along to me uh, was was being a good woodsman. And you know, I, I can't I can't say uh, calling or amount of calling or the lack thereof is something they passed along to me because I guarantee you, I I probably call three times as much as either one of them ever did. <laughs> I like that you brought up the woodsmanship thing. I mean, that's something we talk about all the time with deer hunting sure. or anything else that we talk about on this show. And uh, 
you know, this I think this will be probably my ninth year of, of turkey hunting pretty hard, so I'm definitely by no means an expert. Um but it's interesting that you mentioned that because over the years like I've I've noticed it in myself where like I'm getting more confident in certain situations and especially when I'm you know bringing somebody with me and I'm just calling for them that's when I feel like you know I'm not freaking out because I don't have the gun and I'm I'm a lot more calm and collected and I can kind of sit back I'm like well he'll probably do this and you know and I I make decisions a little bit easier like that and that's just something that that I don't know I've kind of learned the hard way it's taken me a really long time because I I didn't have that that mentor kind of like what you're talking about I didn't grow up with like a a really strong turkey hunter in my life. Um, I, I've right. been able to go on some hunts with some really strong turkey hunters. And to your point, you know, my buddy Wayne Lackey, uh, who's one of the best turkey hunters I know, I'll hunt with him one or two times a year. And in those one or two times a year I get to go with him, I'd, I'm like a sponge, man. I mean, I absorb yep. as much as I possibly can. And I get more out yep. of those hunts, more little subtle things than I'll probably get for the whole rest of that year you know, just on my own yep. trying to figure stuff out. Sure. Yeah. And I, th- I think you bring up something that's important there, you know, being a sponge and, and not just like, you know, when you're with somebody that you consider a mentor, I, I mean, I, t- I took a kid last year, killed his, uh, one of his first, I think it maybe it was his second Turkey with me. Um, and I told him at the end of the morning, he was thanking me, you know, left and right crying and hugging me and all this other stuff. And, Thank, you know, just over the top thinking. I mean, I said, no, man, thank you. I mean, I, cause I learned, I learned from him, you know, so you can't just, you, you're never going to, you should never get to a point where you're like, okay, well, I just know everything now, you know, like there's nothing else for me to learn. You should learn something every single time you go to the woods, whether you sit down to a turkey or not, make it a point to go learn something. Um, like it, just like that morning I'm talking about, you know, that kid, um, I put him in a, I put him in a certain position, uh, to try to get it, you know, to the tur- turkey was coming through it, or I was trying to call the turkey around a thicket. And, um, you know, he, he had his gun facing the wrong direction. And, uh, I was, I was trying to explain to him how to adjust around the tree to, you know, cause I got in my mind, like where this turkey is about to pop out. And I like anytime I'm with somebody that's inexperienced like that, I try to, I want to be on the same tree, you know, right over their shoulder in a position where they're not going to swing around too far for me to be in the way, but right off, right off their ear where I can talk to them, like tell them what I'm thinking the whole time. Cause you can't expect them to just make the right decision, you know? So anyway, th- that's a long way of saying, I, you know, I was able to uh, get him positioned around where, where he could, you know, kill the Turkey when he popped out, but, what he helped, what, what he, what I learned that morning was, you know, just because, uh, just because this kid, know, like this kid hunted this place his entire life, you know, like he's a huge deer hunter. He knew the place like the back of his hand. He told me, you know, that there was a ditch out there between me and the turkey. He realized like, okay, let's, he knew enough about it to know the turkey probably wasn't going to fly that ditch, you know, but uh, just knowing all of that, at the same time, he, he basically taught me not to take for granted, you know, this kid's not, uh, this kid knows the lay of the land. This kid, uh, has done really well up to this point, but don't just, don't just stop there. Make sure you keep coaching the kid on like, you know, or whoever it is, if it's a brand new owner or whatever, continue to coach them, like make sure that you help them close the deal. However you can, you know, that's, that's really what I took away from that particular hunt, but that's just one example, man. Like, don't ever stop learning. You're never going to stop learning. You just, regardless of who you're with, try to take something away from every hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think part of it too, especially hunting with another person is you're almost a little bit detached from the situation, you know, like, cause when you got the gun in your hands, you got that adrenaline dump and you're ready to go. But also you're kind of, you kind of have to like make decisions and like kind of lead yep. that person and, and, kind of dictate how this hunt is going to go so it forces you to be a little more decisive because man i am bad with deer and turkeys like deer is an easier example when it when it comes time for me to get up a tree i'm standing there for 40 minutes just looking around like <laughs> serious like literally i can't decide but when i'm with somebody i'm like that tree right there you know like yeah. something about being with somebody else kind of makes you make decisions yeah. a little bit faster and like i dude i cut my teeth running around on public ground with buddies and none of us knew what we were doing 
And dude, there's some mornings we had back then, kind of like your uh, your story from when you were a kid, kind of reminded me of it. Like you had you had a turkey goblin and you just didn't even move. That happened to us one time. We had like five turkeys goblin, and we're like, "What do we do?" You know, <laughs> and we <laughs> just kind of sat there. Have, yeah, we kind of sat that's there a good all morning. You know, and I think that's another thing that uh that's that's helped me, you know, get to whatever capacity of uh, uh, knowledge that I have now pertaining to turkey hunting is, you know, there was a period of time where there wasn't a lot of turkeys in in this part of the world and and in the southeast for that matter. You know, we went through a pretty dark period there for a long time. You know, back in the you know mid or the mid 1900s in that period of time there was uh you know prior to restoration efforts and all that and um you know i I think one thing that we are all really fortunate about is you know we got a lot more turkeys to go out there and screw up on than than some of those guys did so you know they those guys go out there and screw one up that may be their only shot for the whole season but um in 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 our uh in our world um, you know, if we go out there and mess one up, well, you know, there could very well be another one just right over the next ridge. So I think we're very fortunate in that regard. I think it, uh, it allows people to learn at a faster pace than maybe they once did. Yeah. And to that point also, uh, people who grew up back then who didn't have a lot of turkeys, a lot of them will give you the advice of, you know, kind of sit down and shut up, you know, like very passive, uh, turkey hunting. And it, as Absolutely. as I've gotten a little better at turkey hunting, I've I've found myself kind of settling into that. But then there's a lot of guys yep. who are still like real aggressive on the calling. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Because you're a really good caller, and if I if I could call as good as you, I'd feel really comfortable calling a lot. So I'm curious on what you do there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it depends. This is a, this is it's it's going to sound like a cop out, but it's not. But the way I'm going to answer that is it depends. So. It depends on where I am. So, like, example uh, that I was talking about with that kid, you know, we were hunting on a place that I'm going to go for two days during the season, and I'm not going back. It was in South Mississippi. It was a big block of private land that uh, this kid's parents own. I've gotten to be friends with over, you know, over the last 10 or 12 years and uh, went down there quite simply to, to try to help, you know, those kids kill some tur- – you know, teach them how to turkey hunt, basically. Um, go with them and call for them and teach them the ropes type thing. That place, you know, I I know I'm not going back there for the rest of the season. I'm going to blow through there pretty quick. Like, we we need to make this thing happen right now. You know, if it don't happen today or tomorrow, then it ain't going to happen. So, uh, run and gun type, you know, to the nth degree. I am I mean, we are burning it up, trying to cover some ground and find a turkey. I mean, we may be blowing by turkeys, but – uh, we're, we're looking for one that wants to act right. You know, the right one is what we're looking for. Now you, <laughs> you turn that around and put me on a piece of property, you know, that, that I hunt every day. I'm probably not going to use those same tactics because I, I got to come back and deal with these turkeys. You know, these turkeys out, I'm, I'm going to be as low, uh, low pressure is what I call it. And I'm going to minimize the amount of pressure on those turkeys as I possibly can. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a lot more subtle tactics. Uh, I'm gonna try to find out where they are and where they want to be and get there before I do a bunch of calling. Uh, I'm not gonna run around doing a bunch of cutting and loud yelping up and down the roads and that sort of thing. Uh, just a totally different uh, tactic than I would use on you know like the 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 first scenario I was talking about where. You know, I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go but once per season. So uh, that's that's a long way of saying it. It just depends on where you put me. And see, that goes right back to like the woodsmanship aspect of, you know, being a versatile hunter, a versatile turkey hunter. Like, I mean, that's a great example of what you're talking about. Like, you've got access to a property for a couple of days. You're going to try to, you know, burn the house down, try to find that one or two birds yeah. that's ready to work. Versus, again, if you have a hunting club or a lease or, you know, a property that you're going to be hunting all season long, and maybe there's some other guys too you know, that little bit more passive approach is going to let you have better opportunities throughout the whole season versus having a couple good hunts, but you may be, you know, put an excess amount of pressure out there that those turkeys right. aren't ready for. Um, and that comes with just overall experience because it's hard to kind of teach somebody that's newer into turkey hunting that skill set to then go out there and implement that. And it kind of brings up, you know, the whole aspect of 
you know, kind of being versatile in, in the different areas, whether you're hunting maybe some public land where there's a lot of other guys out there that's getting pounded early in the season, sure. uh, and also how properties maybe lay out, you know, pressure-wise early in the season versus late in the season, um, and, and kind of what the, you know, turkeys may be wanting to do. Now, you mentioned something that I'm really curious on, I'm trying to figure out how you do this. You mentioned the whole idea of, especially on a property where you're not trying to put excess pressure on there when you're talking about, like, you know, super aggressive calling to super aggressive running on tactics, is you're going to want to kind of learn where those turkeys are at and where they want to be and, and get to where they want to be before they really get there and kind of set yourself for success. How do you like going out scouting those areas of where you kind of figure out where these turkeys want to go? I mean, of course, if you're on a hunting club or a lease, you know, maybe there's specific food plots, you're seeing a lot of good day, midday movement or power lines and stuff like that. But how have you gone about trying to figuring that out? Is that something you do preseason? Is that something you're doing during the season, throughout the season? How do you go about doing that? Because I think there's a good learning lesson here for a lot of listeners on trying to figure that out to figure out where they need to go to have success and not try to just kill one right off the roost if they're, again, pressured. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think it, uh, I think as far as when scouting, obviously that that's, uh, that's kind of a broad term, but if you, uh, for me, it's anytime I'm on the property, you know, I'm any, anytime I'm out there, you know, there's, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting little pennies in the jar. Anytime I find up, uh, you know, some scratching somewhere, you know, in a Creek bottom or, uh, on the side of a ridge or what, whatever, you know, any kind of sign I'm finding, uh, that's, that's another penny I'm putting in the jar. I think, uh, a, a bigger part of that though, is, is knowing, understanding the property that you're hunting, uh, understanding the topography and what, you know, what resources are available on that property. So, you know, if you're hunting up just for instance, up, uh, I know predominantly in the South, you know, we got a lot of pine plantations. So, you know, if you're, if you're, you got, if you're in a big hunting club with, uh, you know, a bunch of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, planted pines and you got, uh, creek bottoms that, that, you know, uh, filter throughout the property or whatever, understanding, uh, what that type of habitat lends itself to and how turkeys are going to use it, uh, throughout the spring is very important in finding turkeys to, you know, uh, depending on what time of year you're there. So early season, you know, obviously, uh, turkeys are going uh, most most of the time, as a general rule, be using uh, the bottom just because that's where the food is. You know, those bottoms are going to be where your moisture is going to be. They're going to be the first thing to green up uh, the whole nine yards. So, um, if even if it's prior to green up, you know what few acorns are left. Well, they're going to be in the bottoms. You know, your your honeysuckle is going to be along the edge of those bottoms, and the whole the whole you know you it's 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 strictly dependent on uh the resource and and what resources are available there for the turkeys and um they're gonna they're gonna follow the food most of the time you know regardless of the time of the year um if food is limited you know like they're limited the food's limited to the bottom well the turkeys are most likely going to be in the bottom so uh they they still got to eat whether they're whether they're rutting or not they got to eat so uh but that that's that's really how i go about it i mean we could we could spend till tomorrow talking about uh you know how to how to analyze a piece of property but uh really you know taking a take looking at you know using using some of these um mapping apps that are available now and and uh using those to analyze topography on your property and uh finding timber changes and um you know old roads and that they may use may use to travel between uh one area and another and uh, all those things can be can go a long way, uh, honestly, for 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 scouting a particular piece of property without even having to put your boots on the ground. So, um, you know, that's that's a that's a that's a short course on on really sort of a uh, a lot of different things that I would I would do just to really analyze a piece of property to determine um, what may happen uh, before actually getting out there and getting in the game. So. Uh, and from there, I mean, you know, it, yeah, there, there's also something to be said for uh, going out and, you know, doing preseason scouting early in the morning. I'm not saying go out there and please don't go out there and do a bunch of yelping before season. But there's nothing wrong with going out there and finding a high ridge and uh, listening to where, you know, turkeys are gobbling and figuring out where they like to roost and uh, maybe what direction they go after fly down. And, you know, all those little things are also pennies that you can put in that jar. So uh, just – Use the resources that are available to you. Um, use 
any and all information you can find, any information that the turkeys will give you. That's the most valuable thing. That scratching you're finding, uh, that you know the 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 roof sites, you know, based on hearing them gobble early in the morning or uh, hearing big groups of hens yelping and cutting at daylight and uh, that sort of thing. Any any of those things that uh, that uh, the turkeys or the piece of property or give up can be hugely valuable when you're out there hunting. Houndstooth Game Call's Dixie Hen Slate was just voted the overall best turkey call by Field and Stream Outdoors, and trust me, it's super easy to run and be extremely dynamic when you're in the turkey woods. Now, we've mentioned a couple of these calls in the past, like the Spurmaster and the Success Call in a past episode with both Gary Vines and Lyle Gilbert of Houndstooth Game Calls. And it was funny enough, y'all actually bought every Spurmaster call and Success Call they had. Now, pay attention to their website. They're going to have some more come up in stock in the next few days. So when they come available, make sure you get one if you did not purchase one before they sold out last time. Both the Spurmaster and the Success Call are fantastic for hunting high-pressure turkeys, whether you're on a hunting club where you have a lot of other members hunting those same turkeys, or if you're on public land. Again, both of those calls will make you sound a little bit different from everybody else and be a lot more subtle in your calling technique and be able to really help close those distances with those gobblers. So if you want to give Houndstooth Game Calls a try, go to houndstoothgamecalls.com. Use the promo code SOP24. Again, promo code SOP24 for 15% off houndtoothgamecalls.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And, uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with mike and sam we were all super impressed i mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes i have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you can head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code Southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give TrueLock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with TrueLock. Matt, I'm curious to run a, a situation by you. Um, this is on Andrew's. Andrew's got a, a club, at least. It's got a bunch of birds on it, come to find out, with very little turkey hunters, which is even better. Uh, I think there's... I, mean, I hope none of them listen. Send oh, yeah. me a pen. We can do a hunt, man. We, we get you a bird. Dude, listen, I, I'm, I'm all about that. Um, Jacob's like, sure, we can take you to Andrew's club. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, you know, yeah, I'll be glad to take you over to Andrew's place. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Andrew's place. You know, why not? He's like, I know the back door, how to get in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I live right next to it, man. Um, no, but... 
one thing, so that that club, like a lot of clubs in Southeast, especially like in our other country, kind of central Alabama and central Mississippi, you know, you got a lot of ponds, pine plantation, big creek drainages that run through it. Well, part one of the parts of the club, uh, we actually went over there when we were deer hunting last part of the day of season, um, had a bunch of gobbler tracks was working up down this roadbed uh and these ponds they had thinned probably five six years ago and it's thick as hell in there dude i'm talking briars head high mm-hmm. just nastiness but those those mm-hmm. gobblers are working up and down these roads i mean constantly you can yep. tell by the tracks and it makes me wonder in those situations like especially in this really dense cover where you know both sides of the road are fairly thick one side of the road is not as nearly as thick but you know, it, it, it's a spot you would definitely not want to be tracking a deer through, just to kind of give you an idea. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. areas like that, or properties like that, where you have a lot of dense, thick cover, but there's birds there. I mean, is that one of those areas that you'd go in and listen and just try to figure out when, at what times of the day, they're using those roadbeds? Um, I mean, yep. would you sit that blind? Would you just kind of run and gun up and down the roads? How would you go about scouting or hunting a spot like that? Yeah, I mean, when when, when you know they're confined a particular you know to specific roads like that when they're you know when getting out in the woods is not really an option when they're when they're using the roads on your property heavily uh and you know that you know that's that's a situation where um you know trail cameras can be a a great option put trail cameras out there uh determine what time of day they're coming through there or uh even you know once once we get farther along in the spring and they start gobbling some after they fly down will get somewhere where you can hear out there and i mean i'm not saying drive down through the middle of the property but just get somewhere you can put ears on the property and you should be able to tell pretty quick you know what what roads they're using you know how they're traveling around what they're doing um you know i i, I think that's that's probably two ways that that you could go about uh pretty easily figuring out uh what the deal was out there anyway yeah, that's the probably, tra- that's probably where I would where I would start anyhow. Yeah, the trail cams is a really good point too, just because you could have a especially you know put a trail camera out there, you know, set up on that roadbed, kind of high up, and just you know get visual of when birds are working down the road. But also, hey, I guess you can see when other guys are working up down that road themselves and kind of see what the <laughs> hunter right. pressure looks like. Um, so that's right. Yeah, that's a that's a really good. And that's going to be another thing too. You know, if they start if as you know as season opens and starts getting going good. It'll be interesting. Be interesting to see uh, as they get a little pressure put on them on those roads how that changes how they're acting. You know, they may they may start you know stop using one that they're using uh, heavily right now. They may they may move to a totally different area. Who knows? But it'll you know that would that be that also be a something interesting to see and b something that the trail cameras would pretty quickly tell you as well. So, as somebody who. Uh... It probably is not going to get to turkey hunt a ton this year, except for the very first part of the season. Well, I'm having a baby. <laughs> Congratulations, man! That's great. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Due April third. Um, awesome. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, our season will open March 25th, and so I'm going to really try to capitalize on that early part because you know I don't know what my turkey season is going to be like. Um, it, it sounds like you you really enjoy postseason scouting and kind of going and. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Preseason scouting, Pre- yeah, and uh, sure. and and kind of getting the lay of the land before season comes in. Uh, right now, it's it's kind of getting into late February. Turkeys are probably starting to gobble right now throughout a lot of the southeast. You can probably go out there and hear them. Um, yep. Do you do you go out and really start paying attention to that at this point, or is it something where you're like, you know, they're going to change right now? I really should just wait until like the week before season to really go out and start listening. Yeah, I used. <laughs> So growing up, I'd, I'd I would have started listening. You know, at, as soon as I got a couple of days sleep after deer season went out, I'd I'd go straight into listening for turkeys. You know, I now I've I've kind of limited myself to at least waiting until March before I start all that nonsense because, <laughs> I mean, who really wants to lengthen something where you get as little sleep as you do during turkey season? You know, so that you know. There's something to be said for you. You went there uh, with the comments you made, you know, where they are right now. That That's really why it's not as valuable because where, where they are right now, uh, it's whatever, mid-February, um, is definitely, they, they may not even be in here or there, you know, when turkey season opens. So, yes, preseason scouting is valuable, hugely, can be hugely valuable. 
Uh, but you know, when you're, when you're looking to capitalize on the first few days of season, uh, I would probably wait until a week or so, probably at least before, uh, go time before I really went out there and put in a lot of time on figuring, you know, where they're roosted and what their, what their, you know, what their tendencies are after they fly down, you know, are they, um, are they flying to this certain ridge every morning? Are they uh, going a certain direction after they hit the ground or whatever? I mean, those are the kind of details that you want to figure out, you know, in the, in the last few days before season opens. So uh, I think, you know, if it was me, that that's the kind of information I'd be looking for, but I, I would definitely, I definitely wouldn't go out there and gather that data right now. <laughs> Do you like to, especially in that early, uh, you know, preseason scouting, yeah, I definitely don't like to yelp or anything like that at the turkeys. But do you like to crow or owl at them or anything? Yeah, I'm a, and and this goes for uh, really the the whole season, not just uh, preseason or or whatever. I like to let things happen on their own as much as they will. You know, uh, there there's times where they need a little kickstart, and I'm I'm more than happy to give them that if that's what it needs, but. Um, if the crows is crowing and the owls is owling, then I, you know, ain't no need me checking in the ball game. So, um, I, I, I kind of like to let things happen organically where I can, but. Do, do you think that gobblers get a little keen to people out there wailing on crow calls and stuff? Absolutely. There ain't no question. And, and, and to, to, uh, reiterate that, <laughs> The, the reason I'm, I answer that so confidently is because I was in a hunting club growing up, and uh, me and my dad, and I can remember specifically one morning we were we were sitting we were we were sitting we had already sat down to this turkey. I think we'd gone in there for daylight, knew where the turkey was going to be. We were sitting down uh, under this turkey basically before daylight, real well, real close to him in a tree, and. Um, he started gobbling, you know, gobbling really good. We weren't calling to him or anything, but he gobbled everything and made a sound, you know. And uh, we heard a truck come in here. Trucks popping gravel coming down the road. He stopped over about a quarter of a mile and got out of his truck and slammed the door and blowed a crow call. No, he didn't slam the door when he got out. He just stopped. Got out of his truck, and immediately when that turkey heard that truck stop and he blew that crow call, that turkey didn't. He had gobbled at everything that made a sound. I mean, from a hummingbird fart all the way up to a <laughs> sawmill whistle. He had gobbled at it, you know. Well, this guy blows his crow call over and he ain't make a sound. Did not, would not make, wouldn't. I mean, he blew as loud as he could, got his owl hooter out and blew it, got his uh, box call out and yelped on that thing. Turkey never made a peep. That wasn't a turkey in the country that gobbled. There several, several other turkeys around there gobbling. None of them gobbled. That guy got back in his truck, slammed the truck door, went on up the gravel road, you know, out of here and over the top of the mountain we were hunting on there. And uh, as soon as that truck went out of here and the next crow that hollered, that turkey gobbled. So you tell me that they don't understand human interaction and recognize that it's a danger, I'll tell you you're a liar because I know the truth interesting yeah i've had a similar experience to that it, but the the guy didn't call or anything but he was walking down a gravel road and this turkey mm-hmm. was doing the same thing gobbling his head off and you could hear that guy come crunching up and he stopped and you heard him you know crunch 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 coming by and then yeah. out of earshot and then maybe five or ten minutes later that turkey started right back up again and they know now it is incredible yeah, especially with gravel, man, because gravel, I mean, you can hear it for a long way through the woods, and it is a very distinct sure. sound, you know. It is, yeah, and, and that's another thing, too. You know, there's another one of those learning experiences. Don't pop gravel when you walk, you know. Walk, <laughs> walk in the ditch if you have to. Just don't pop that gravel because that nothing – you got to think about it this way. Uh, nothing that uh, nothing that's safe to a turkey pops gravel, okay, you know, crows out there walking around turtles and uh tweety birds and all that mess they ain't popping no gravel when they walk across the road but humans trucks um hogs all kind of different stuff does pop gravel so anything anything is popping gravel ain't good for turkeys so they you know that's that's definitely something they're gonna steer clear of so 
Yeah, I, we, me and my buddy JT were hunting last year, and uh, we were walking into it to an area, and we were walking this two-track road that was gravel, and I was like, "Hey, we need to walk like on the side," and it was kind of brushy. No doubt. And we're, I mean, we're breaking twigs and stuff, but I'm like, I'd rather break twigs than pop gravel. No question, absolutely. Yep, that's that's another one of those things, man. You just, you know, I, I, I think that's a part of being a good woodsman. I mean, that's something that you've learned uh throughout your experience like hey you know we're a lot better off crunching in these leaves than we are popping this gravel for sure and that there ain't no question you're spot on by that what about days where you just have a really hard time being quiet trying to sneak up on a bird like i've had several days in the woods where there you got a bird especially when it gets to be like 10 11 o'clock and you got a bird gobbling and and you know he's gobbling at that time of day so he's he's ready to do something but you just can't get close to him because you're it's just so loud like with leaves or whatever are you trying to like sound like a deer or a turkey walking in like how do you approach that situation 100 percent. so (laughs) i know exactly what you're talking about because i grew up my dad look i i used to make more racket than a circus walking through the woods you know when i was a kid i can remember specifically uh several times being my dad would i'd always walk behind him obviously and he would stop and turn around and look at me and tell me to walk back there and step on that stick and i'd ask him why he said because that's the only one between here and the truck you ain't stepped on (laughs) (laughs) but uh, so but you're you know the way i do it you know it goes back to realistic calling um i i've learning to cluck and purr on a mouth call i think for me is is uh one of those things that's very important in covering sound uh so whatever you can do um to to sound like another turkey walking through the woods is key um i was talking to some guys about that uh last year i did a hunt up in missouri and uh they picked up on that you know we'd be walking as a group and the whole time i'm just clucking and purring and uh doing soft yelps and little feeding whines and that sort of thing and uh we'd stop and i would just from there elevate my calling to check to see if you know there was a a turkey nearby that wanted to play uh but they picked up on me um you know doing that doing that clucking and purring and scratching you know every you know every 10 or 12 steps i'd stop and scratch with my foot to sound like you know turkeys feeding and scratching so for me that's you know especially if i'm walking in hardwood leaves or something like that that makes a bunch of noise for me that's that's one of the tactics i use to try to cover up some of my sound because you're let's face it you know we're we're all 200 pound men we ain't gonna be quiet and we're, we're, there's no way for us to be totally quiet so uh doing doing what you can to uh you use what you have to your advantage to cover your sound i think for me is key Matt, I've got to ask, kind of going back to like what you mentioned earlier in the podcast about you learn a lot from guiding other people and like the whole idea of like it's one thing about hiding yourself, it's another thing about hiding other people that you're hunting with uh, and just other life lessons there. What can you talk about when it comes to like setting up on a tree? Um, like what kind of advice would you give somebody as in like the setup? Like, okay, you, you hear the bird, you got the bird, maybe the bird, you know, maybe the gobbler is, you know, responding to you. When you're looking to set up, how are you looking to set if it's just you versus you and another individual as in the cover how you want to position yourself with the topography the thick cover just everything what is kind of running through your mind as you're looking for like a setup well you just said it right there topography and thick cover so i i mentioned it in my little story about that kid earlier um one thing that it's taught me or i I think i i think i probably picked up on this from guiding over the years is 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 really finding something that i can put between me and that turkey that a keeps us covered for longer you know until he uh, really until he's in range and b what that also does is gives him something that he can't visually verify from an extended distance that there's not a hen standing there so he's got to come and look over around or through it to visually verify that you know hey they're all right, well, this is something's wrong here because there's not, a, I can't see the hen standing there. Uh, and, and, and when he does come to make that verification, he's close enough to kill with a shotgun. You know, that's really what the goal is. So, uh, that, so, so that can be anything, you know, a, 
a briar thicket or a, a, a little roll in the topography just getting right off the edge of it, you know, where he's got to come stick his head up over and look. You know, if, and if that's the case or whatever the case is there, make sure you're, if you think he's going to come around to the left of this thicket or, you know, if there's a, there's a ridge there, he's got to walk up and look over, you know, be close enough to where when he gets to where he can see, you can kill him. You know, I, that's key for me. Um, so what that does, you know, obviously if you've got another hunter there with you, somebody that's inexperienced, or if you've got a big group of people or whatever, you know, if somebody's not perfectly still or not perfectly quiet or not hit as well you know it gives you a little bit more room for error there you know because once he gets to where he can see somebody should be shooting him as opposed to well if he walks out you know if he's got a hundred yards of wide open hardwoods to close you know that he can see down through you know if, if there's no thicket between you or no rolling at the pyrophy or whatever you know he's gonna he's gonna see that person is sticking out or if somebody's got the squirms over there he's never gonna make it to shotgun range so put something in between you and him that that he's got to to visually eliminate before he can he can see that there's not a hen there that's that's really uh the best killer tip i can give you do you have any uh scenarios or hunts you've done in like planted pine plantations when it's nothing but pine straw underneath them and you get a bird you know you know working in that kind of habitat like what's a situation or what's like a scenario there that you've used some kind of topography or some kind of like you know ditch something to hide yourself in because you know we've ran through that a couple different times especially on some public land that we hunt where you know you might get a bird that's answering and coming through wide open pines and you're just trying to find the, the the smallest little spot to kind of get tucked up into just so that he can't see but also it's the whole idea of he might be not be able to see you, but maybe he can see behind you. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, do you have any kind of experience there and, and how to kind of work that situation? Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta use whatever's available there. I mean, if you can find you a little thicket to get in or put between you and him, then do it. Uh, if there's nothing available, I mean, if we're talking about wide open, you know, like a, whatever the situation, if it's an unthinned plantation with just nothing but pine trees and pine straw under it. Uh, one thing you can do that I've used in the past, is get down row from it. So put the rows that way, you know, you got trees this big, but if you can line them up, you're making trees that are, you know, this big. So get down, get down row from him. That way he's got to walk, you know, a lot closer to you to, to either get across the rows from you or get close enough, you know, coming down the road of it to, to visually verify that, you know, there's either a hen or there's not. So there again, I mean, it's just using some type of visual obstruction. I'm not a decoy guy. I mean, I, I use, I use, I do use decoys. Uh, if I've got, like I was talking about earlier, if I got somebody that I'm worried about getting the squirms, you know, I, I will take a, a decoy and put it out that way. Uh, if somebody does get a little squirmy and the turkey sees them, that, that hen, I, I've seen it work before you know, with a decoy, a realistic looking decoy, I ain't talking about the old school, uh, you know, look like a trash bag with a turkey head on a decoy, but <laughs> a sure enough realistic looking decoy that, you know, is standing there, you know, 15 yards from you that, you know, that turkey walks up there and sees somebody move a little bit. Well, you know, he or she's okay with it. Maybe, you know, maybe it's okay. You know, I, I've seen, I, I've seen it where, you know, we got away with a lot more because that decoy was there than we would have if it, you know, in its absence. So um, that was, I know I went down a rabbit hole there, but uh, really, really using a visual to answer your question, uh, some type of whatever you've got there uh, to, to, to utilize as a visual obstruction is, is what I would do. That, that's, that's how uh, you, you got to figure out a way to put the turkey close to you without him realizing he's gotten too close. Matt, uh, I could, I could literally sit here and talk until tomorrow morning about all this stuff. Like I just, I'm fired up. This is the first Turkey episode of the year, man. Um, yep. If you could, if you could leave people, especially, you know, keeping in mind that a lot of people who are, are really digging into this Turkey content right now, I mean, they're trying to get better. At, maybe they're trying to kill their first, maybe it's their fifth bird, but they're just trying to get to be a more consistent Turkey hunter kind of leading up yep. into season here uh you know throughout this month you know the, the folks in mississippi they've got half a month when this drops before their season opens alabama we got about a month 
what advice would you give to those people to kind of start their turkey season off strong and, and get the most out of their season? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're if you're brand new to it, um, just trying to learn. I think honestly, there turkey hunting has, has gotten to be really super popular at this point. There, there's people all over the country that are doing it. Find find somebody that 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 you feel like's better at it than you, and go with them. You know. Tell them you don't don't even care to shoot whatever the situation is. You just want to go learn. There's there's a lot of people out there um, that that are more than willing to do that. You know, have somebody tag along. Most people, I love hunting with somebody else. You know, I, I like to hunt myself. Don't get me wrong, but I, I still I, I love to have somebody in the woods to share it with. You know, it's there's there's something about having somebody there to celebrate with and to cuss that when stuff goes wrong. You know, so. Uh, but you know, if you, if you can't find somebody, uh, that's willing to let you go with them and, and tag along and learn from them, uh, my advice would be just to just get out there, use the resources that you have available. Like I said, like we talked about earlier, there's, uh, there's all these map apps and, uh, there's tons of resources online that you can use, uh, videos that you can watch and, you know, this, that, and the other, but, uh, there, there's nothing that's going to. Uh, honestly, there's nothing going to substitute getting out there and making mistakes on your own. So, uh, use, use what advice you can get from other people and just get out there and play the game, man. You're not going, you're not going, you're not going to hit the ball if you don't step up to the plate with a bat. So get out there and, uh, get out there and, and, and learn from them. They're going to teach you something every day. So, like I said earlier, go out there and keep an open mind, uh, try to learn something every time you go to the woods, even if it's you know, basically nothing. Take something away every time. So, uh, I guess that's that's really um, that's that's really it for me. That that's a really good point. Uh, just you know, asking to go with somebody. We talk about that quite a bit, actually, uh, with deer or whatever. You know, like find that hunting partner with deer. It's always we're talking about you know wolf packing a spot and finding a group of buddies and all going in together and yeah. and you get better when you sure. do that. Well, the same thing with turkey hunting. You know, finding a good turkey hunting partner. And when we talk about that. We get all kinds of people messaging us like, how do I find a hunting partner? Like, I don't know anybody yep. to go with. And I'm like, man, there are 10 other people have messaged us that same. Like, there's people out there. You just got to ask around, network. Sure. I mean, uh, social media is really, really good for that. Go man. to NWTF convention uh, or uh, go to NWTF banquet. Go to, you know, Turkey's for Tomorrow event. Do yep. Go to different events and talk with people. And, Matt, you, you said something that I, I'd, I'd be honest, I had never – it's never even crossed my mind but to me it would get you in the door to go hunt with guys it's all it is a whole idea of you know so many people are like especially hunting private land like they don't want to they might not want to like give up one of their turkeys to come let you kill it but if you're like hey mm-hmm. i want to come to learn i'm not bringing a gun i just want to follow you around in the woods i think so many more sure. people would be like absolutely compared to like absolutely. you know i want to come and kill one to me you're gonna yeah. have a lot more hesitancy with a lot more people versus sure. if you're like hey i just want to come and learn i'm going to leave the gun at the house i just want you to teach me how you're successful i think you'll have so much more opportunity to be able to go and learn some from somebody and yeah it takes half a day of hunt you know out of your opportunity to be able to go and hunt throughout the season but i think you'll learn so sure. much by following that person to the woods that you can then go and you know implement whether you're on your own hunting club your piece of public land wherever you're hunting at um i think that's a really good point and something that you know, people don't need to overlook that. I think, again, putting yourself out there, hey, I'll leave the gun at the house. I just want to come and learn from you. I think you'll have a lot of success going and getting opportunity to go, you know, not only network with people and go, you know, learn from some other individuals, but figure out how you can go and use what they're doing to have success on your own ground. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You know, and that, like you said, go uh, go to some of these uh, Turkey Federation events or, you know, any, any anything like that you can find where there's going to be a, a gathering of turkey hunters is a good great place to start you know and um i know asking somebody to go with them is going to be a little awkward but i, I can also tell you most of the time when you tell those guys look I, i'll i'll go with you i won't even bring my gun i just want to go and learn most of them are going to say yeah it's fine you can come on but you're bringing your shotgun we ain't leaving it at the house <laughs> bad things always happen when you got somebody there that doesn't have a shotgun you know so um but yeah i, I think uh I think not there, there's all, there's, there's, there's something to be said for, for having, um, you know, another opinion there as well. I mean, once you find your hunting partner, you know, I've, I've seen it happen over the years where, uh, that, you know, whoever it is there with you, whether they're experienced or not, uh, they're going to have a totally different perspective on what just happened than you are. And that there's, you know, I've seen 
numerous times where, you know, somebody bring up like me be guiding somebody that's never even been turkey hunting before. Uh, something happened, something goes wrong or something goes right or whatever. And them just have a totally different, you know, basically thinking about it on a different plane than I am that really allows you to learn something that you weren't even expecting. So there's something to be said, you know, certainly for, for always or, or for, for hunting with somebody else whenever you get the chance, you know, whether they're experienced or not. And absolutely. And also one last piece of uh, this advice I would have when it comes to communicating with other hunters, uh, and then we can kind of wrap up here, is the whole idea, if you're at one of these events, don't just go around asking people to go hunt with them. You got to be able to ha- form and have a conversation and make sure that, <laughs> you know, both of y'all are kind of enjoying the conversation before it ever comes up. Like the first thing you need, before you talk to somebody, it doesn't need to be like, hey man, I'd love to go hunt with you. It's more like, talk to them, have a conversation. If, if, if again, y'all kind of getting along through the conversation, maybe it comes up naturally. Like, Hey man, you know, I'm trying to learn, you know, talk about, you know, Hey, I'm a newer turkey hunter or something I just haven't had a lot of experience with. Um, and, and, and see how the conversation goes before you just dive straight into a conversation saying, man, I'd love to go hunt with you. Cause nobody likes that. Nobody likes, even if you're experienced, you know, guy, when someone just comes to man, I'd love to go hunt with you. Especially if you don't know them, I'm like, okay, cool, dude. But you know, we, that, we that's how you get the old, yeah, man, we'll go sometime. Sometime it never be, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and there's absolutely. always an excuse why they can't ever go with you. So it's like you got to go to these events. You got to go talk to people, have conversation with them, just about whatever, about your lack of experience, whatever, and let it naturally come up instead of forcing it on the people. Sure. You'll have a lot more success that way. I agree. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you're if it's just too too much of a if you got too much social anxiety to go out there and make friends then uh if you got if you have the uh if you have the funds available you can also go out there and buy you a hunt with somebody that really knows what's going on so there's also <laughs> you look you can go to, you can go to bent creek lodge in south alabama and i don't know i can name off probably 10 or 12 different places you can go if you got the money and learn from some of the best in the world so uh, that option's out there as well absolutely well matt we greatly appreciate you joining the podcast man probably have to do another episode with you man i think we could do a whole series with you just on uh, or an episode on just you know life lessons you learned just while guiding um that would be probably interesting but matt again thank you for joining us man it's always fun talking with you and uh finally glad to have you on the podcast for a detailed episode brother so it's been a great time so appreciate you joining us yeah my pleasure appreciate y'all having me on guys y'all have a uh y'all have a good safe spring look forward to talking to y'all soon All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.